Welcome to LilyPod episode 42. Personal restoration is a process. Jeff and Kathy Teichert bringing you another episode of LilyPod, which is a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. In the most recent General Conference, Elder Uchtdorf talked about how we need times of refreshing times of personal restoration. And when we think about restoration, oftentimes we think about the restoration of the gospel, restoring something that we have lost. And mid-singles who've experienced really painful losses often feel you know, like their whole world has been shattered. I mean, I know I felt that way uh, when my family broke apart and, and my marriage broke up. And, and I, I know a lot of you feel the same. When he talked about personal restoration, he said, we need an ongoing daily infusion of heavenly light. And it's interesting because that kind of goes with the thought that President Nelson had speaking of the restoration of the gospel when he said the restoration is a process not an event. And so we the restoration is continuing for the church as a whole, and your personal restoration, if you've experienced tragic loss, is also a daily event. It's, it's being added to all the time. And I thought this was brilliant that you put these two different talks together into one great whole recognizing that personal restoration is a process, just like Utdorf was talking about, and that it needs to be a daily ongoing thing. Right. Uh, I, I remember um, when I went in to do some, some uh, trauma release, the therapist that helped me out with that um, I was expressing some frustration at the end of my first session, and she said, trust the process. And I think that we can trust the process better if, number one, we believe there is a process, and secondly, if we believe that it is sort of divinely instituted, that it is a reliable process. And And that progress will be made... Even if it's not as quickly as we want it to, it will be made. Right. I mean, think about your, you know, a garden you might grow in your yard. You can go out and plant your seeds and then water them and maybe fertilize them as well. And then, you know, you may go out the next day and say, what the heck, my plants aren't growing. And, you know, the day after that, my, my plants aren't growing. And you may be tempted to shake your fist over your plants and tell them to grow faster. But 
personal restoration, kind of like an organic growing plant, takes time. And I'm not suggesting you can't notice um, progress right at the beginning. And, and oftentimes that comes in the form of a decision. You decide, I'm going to grow as a person. I'm going to become happier. I'm, you know, whatever the, the goals are, uh, the, the mere fact of making a decision is empowering. And so you begin to see in your mind's eye what you want to have happen, even if you're not there yet. And that's kind of like planting that seed. Yeah. And the more that you can be a daydreamer and close your eyes and picture yourself where you want to be, even if you're not there yet, the more likely and more quickly it will happen. Right. I, uh, I had a chance to, to, to re-listen to a talk I heard Elder Christofferson give uh, at BYU, not while I was there, but since then. And, uh, and he talked, uh, he gave a talk called Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. And there was a poignant story he told about his own life where he went through a particular financial challenge. And he said, it wasn't anything where anybody cheated me or there was any ill will by anyone. It wasn't anybody's bad judgment. It was just one of those things that sort of happens and sometimes is introduced into your life. But he was constantly fearful about it and, and worried that his family might be facing financial ruin. And those are his words. Uh, and he prayed very earnestly many, many times for some miraculous intervention to deliver him from this severe problem. And I want to quote him now. He said, although I offered that prayer many times with great sincerity and earnest desire, the answer in the end was no. What do you mean no? Why no? Uh, now, do you think his desire to provide for his family was an unrighteous desire? Was his desire to be free from stress and fear an unrighteous desire? I don't think so. But Elder Christofferson talks about how uh, he ultimately had to relax into the principle, just as Jesus Christ did in the Garden of Gethsemane, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He, he had to come to a point where he was accepting of the Lord's will for him and accepting of the answer, no, even though he really would have preferred a yes. You know, I just realized something. Mm -hmm. Not my will, but thine be done is like a spiritual version of radical acceptance. Right. It's radical submission. Mm -hmm. And Elder Christofferson actually expressed gratitude for this trial. And he said it went on for several years. Now, I understand that. I had a significant financial crisis that went on for several years, and I was constantly fearful about it. And I relate 
to what he's saying word for word in all of this. But this is how he expresses what it, it taught him. The fact that I was forced to turn to God for help almost daily over an extended period of years taught me truly how to pray and get answers to prayer and taught me in a very practical way to have faith in God. I came to know my Savior and my Heavenly Father in a way and to a degree that might not have happened otherwise. I learned that manna today can be as real as the physical manna of biblical history. I learned to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I learned to walk with him day by day. And so Elder Christofferson was talking about how he learned reliance on God by being on the edge of financial ruin constantly for several years. Why did the Lord answer no? He was preparing an apostle and teaching him to patiently persist and trust in a God that was bigger than his problems. And that trust is what we need to trust the process that God has for us. Now, if, if Elder Christofferson had not gone through this significant and frustrating problem, would he be an apostle today? I don't know. I suspect maybe not. But the Lord had a path for him. And so I think that's, that's a really important uh, message to get from this story. You also, know, that part where it's, where you, where, was that your quote or from him that believing in a a God that is bigger than our problems. That's me. I love that. Actually, I that really spoke to my heart when I read that. Um, somewhere you wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that's a big faith building exercise to believe in a God that is bigger than our problems, whatever they are. Right, and to know that He could take it away at any minute, and so if He isn't taking it away. There is a reason, there is something he expects us to learn and and a way he expects us to grow from it. Um, the headings of the various sections of his talk are illustrative and they they indicate that when we're confronted with a massive problem, often we need to be satisfied with daily small steps toward resolution. And I'd just like to read off five of the headings. There are a few others, too. But these really, I think, capture the spirit of the, of the talk he was giving. Look for what is needed each day. Looking to God daily for our needs nurtures faith. Trust in the Lord. Solutions may come over time. Work through large problems in small daily bites. And God's daily bread is needed in reaching our potential. Now, I've talked about this a lot recently to, to friends, to Kathy, to others. Um, you know, I came back, uh, I came back to Utah from Texas six years ago this month. 
and I, I was at that time uh, freshly divorced for a second time and had just been laid off from a corporate job a, a couple of months earlier and was nursing a car all the way to Utah that was threatening to throw a rod, which I had just put $2,000 into for a new transmission. And I was realizing that this car was on its last legs and I had wasted my money uh, on the new tranny. So I was going to have to figure out how to start earning a living and replace my car without uh, significant resources, without um, a job and without a business. And, you know, for the first six months I was here, I was couch surfing at my parents' place. Uh, while I tried to get a business going. And when I think back to that time, and, and, you know, I was starting all over again in life for the second time. I think couch um, surfing sounds like so much more fun than it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was nothing fun about it. I mean, I appreciated my parents giving me a place to crash. Don't, don't give me, get me wrong. I, it, it very much helped me to get on my feet faster. Um, but I, uh, yeah, it, it was a very distasteful thing to have to do. And I had actually my, my youngest son living with me at the time. So he was there too. And, uh, those were the conditions that I, you know, that was the status, the state of my life at the time Kathy and I met. And she will tell you, I told her, I unfolded the whole thing to her on the first date because I wanted her to know I'm not here to paint a rosy picture and say that things are a lot better than they are to impress you. I want you to know, you know, if I, if something does develop, it's going to take a while because I've got um, things that I need to take care of before I'm in a position to get married again. And how many times after we got married, did I want to yell at the plants of your finances? <laughs> Yeah, and my finances were considerably better by that time, but not as not as good as they are now. But yeah, it doesn't work, does it? But to no, yell at, you know the progress we want to have happen. It doesn't. It doesn't make it move faster. And I remember telling Kathy to trust the process a couple of times, probably not in those words, but it was like you know I was working twelve-hour days. I was going all over the place in my car, networking. I was meeting with different people about... I think you called it a three-ring circus. Yeah, and I remember <laughs> saying to her a few times, I know I'm running a real three-ring circus here. Uh, you know, because I was wearing all the hats too. I was the accountant. I was the CEO. I was the marketing guy. I was the computer guy. I mean, I had to do to do everything. And I remember telling Kathy, I'm, I know I'm running a real three-ring circus here, but I think in a year or two, it's going to make sense. And, uh, and it's all going to come together. And it did. Um, and you then, know I've always believed in you. <laughs> and then after my business had come together and, and was making me a six figure income, I got offered my dream job when I didn't need it anymore. Uh, that would have been great to have had, you know, <laughs> four or five years earlier, but God had a plan for me. And I think he understood there were things I needed to learn from building that business ways in which I needed to grow confident ways in which I needed to learn to trust him. Uh, 
to help my daily bread to come in, you know, because that old thing, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I couldn't make a client hire me. I could invite them. Uh, but ultimately that was their decision. And sometimes it's frustrating. You want to shake your fist at those clients and say, I could do such a good job for you and I need your business. Of course, that would make a poor impression if you said it like that. But <laughs> but sometimes you want to you know scream that from the rooftops. Um, anyway, I think that uh, Elder Christofferson is saying, well, I, I loved what he said about how sometimes uh, solutions to big problems come in small bites. Uh, or as President Uchtdorf said, we need a little infusion of light from heaven every day. And so it's not so much usually having one grand miracle come from the heavens and suddenly your problem goes away. Uh, I think often it is a process. Yes. And you know, I was just thinking personal restoration. If we've experienced a really severe or extreme loss like divorce or uh, becoming widowed, um, that takes a while. It takes a while to right. heal and to reestablish ourselves in the community. And also, you know, if we start dating again and developing a new relationship, I mean, that takes a long time. It right. can and just getting your while. Getting your bearings in mm -hmm. in that in the mid single dating. I, I remember when I first started to date after my my divorce from my kid's mom. Um, you know, I was still grieving. I think, and and I remember going to this church dance. It was the first one I'd been to single for many years. You know, and I remember thinking actually when I was there. The last one of these I went to, I was chaperoning as young men's president. <laughs> and uh, I felt just like a fish out of water, like I, I didn't belong. I didn't know anybody. And then I saw this girl that I knew in high school, and I recognized her, and I, I stopped her, and we talked. Oh, okay, I got one friend at the dance. And so we danced a couple of songs, and we talked, and, and uh, that was so great to just know one person there. But when, when we had danced a couple of songs and had our conversation, uh, she moved along to mingle with other people. And that was fine. You know, I mean, I understood uh, why she would do that. But then I was alone again. And I'm standing there watching everybody else dance, thinking about leaving, thinking about how out of place I felt in this world. I hadn't dated anyone for years um, besides my former wife. And so uh, as I'm sitting there feeling miserable, pondering leaving, I hear this voice off to my right, are you going to just stand there? And this lovely uh, short little Latina girl uh was smiling at me and she had been the one who said that. And I said, uh, not if you'll dance with me. And she said, uh, sure, of course. So we went out on the dance floor. We danced one song and then a slow song came on. So I asked her to stay for that. And she did. And as we're walking off the dance floor at the end of that song, she said, 
well, aren't you going to ask me for my number? <laughs> I mean, I felt like a complete doofus, you know, like she's telling me any idiot would know to ask me for my number, but I, I didn't, it didn't occur to me. But anyway, she was very bold. And so we exchanged numbers in our cell phones and I called her the next day and we made a date for the following Saturday. But I remember after she had gotten my attention, you know, at the dance, my whole outlook on the dance changed. I, you know, I was in a marriage where I didn't feel like my wife loved me for many years. And here's someone who actually thinks I'm attractive, who actually wants to get to know me and takes a, you know, makes a bold move to do that. And it did a lot for my self-confidence and my feeling that, you know, maybe I'm not as broken and destroyed as I thought I was. You know, and this is just one instance in one moment in, in the many instances and moments that it took to restore your personal life. For sure. Right. And so what I was thinking about with the idea of personal restoration is that sometimes it can be a really big loss and a really large task ahead of us to restore. Right. Right. But then there's also this daily infusion of light, this daily need for sustenance and um, for physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual renewal. And um, so personal restoration, restoration is a process on an individual ongoing daily basis, as well as the bigger picture restoration from extreme loss and hardship and trauma. Right. And I think it will teach us reliance on our Father in Heaven if we let it. Uh, you know, Elder Christofferson talked about daily the daily prayers he offered and how earnest and heartfelt they were because he really needed the daily bread. He really needed the help because he, he didn't know, you know, from one day or one week or one month to the next where the money he was going to come from that he needed. And, and you know, how... how uh, painful that must have been for him to feel like he had put his family in that situation. And I have felt that, that same pain. You know, America at one time was very broken and torn apart by a civil war and needed a restoration. And thank everything that's holy that we had uh, a prophet of American restoration at that time named Abraham Lincoln, who was a visionary who wanted to reunite the country uh, after that terrible conflict. And he once said, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. And I think in those moments when we feel weary, and overwhelmed, and like so much is coming at us all at once. That is a time when we're driven to our knees, feeling like maybe we have nowhere else to go. And great men and women like Abraham Lincoln, like Elder Christofferson, they go through stuff too. And, 
you know, those can be defining moments in their lives uh, because of what they learned to trust in God. Right. And being convinced that we have nowhere else to go uh, is a humbling place while at the same time a comforting place. Right. I think one of the keys, and I've said this before in this podcast, but it is to trust the process. And so what I mean by that is, first of all, make a decision about what direction you want to head. Secondly, realize that in some cases you may get a big miraculous uh, answer to prayer, but usually not. Usually big problems are going to be addressed in small bite-sized pieces uh, and working on it daily. Tony Robbins often says that most people grossly overestimate what they can do in one year and grossly underestimate what they can do in five. And I can tell you from my own experience that ever since I came back to Utah and started over, uh, it took about five years, a little more than that, but not much, to, uh, to really recover uh, from the, the deep abyss that I, that I was in. And, and a lot of people lose a lot during a divorce uh, right. kind of loss and have to recover. And I remember you saying several years in a row that you got to the end of the year and it wasn't much different than the year before and you were so frustrated. Yes, and this was before I went to Texas. Actually, going to Texas was was in some ways a miraculous uh, intervention that really did help get my life on track and give me a moment of peace to kind of recover my strength. Uh, even though ultimately I got laid off there and and had to start over after that. But I... So you, it waxes and wanes. Right. Yeah. I think one thing we need to be careful of in, in trusting the process is, and I know Kathy can speak to this, but just like in a financial problem, we may be desirous to have it fixed by a big divine intervention and just have the problem taken from us. Often, I think when we've lost a spouse, either to divorce or death, we're asking for the same thing. We want God to come in and fix it by giving us a new spouse right now. And do you want to speak to your brief second marriage at all? Um, well, that, like my, my first and my second marriage, that man was placed in my life at an opportune time. And I do believe that it was part of my life path to, uh, to marry them and also to go through those divorces, um, I accept the gifts that were offered to me through those, through the hard and the uh, supportive learning experiences through all of that. Um, I guess 
when I got really impatient was when after my second divorce, when, you know, my previous relationships had just happened for me, I, I told Heavenly Father, I really want to find the very best match for myself and I am willing to do whatever it takes and I'm willing to go out and date as long as it takes and I'll, you know, I won't settle for any less than something that will be awesome. And when it didn't happen in the first year, I was devastated. I was so frustrated. Yeah, I heard you say at one time I, I took the love that came along and that you felt like you didn't know how to be alone. And I think we are tempted very often. That was after my first marriage because I had been with someone for like 15 years. Right. And I think very often we're tempted to, and, you know, Kathy believes that was her path and I'm sure it was. Uh, So I'm not saying if you've done the same thing out there that there's something wrong with you or anything like that. What I am saying is that it's, it's something to learn from and think, you know, the solution to grieving a marriage is not another marriage. It's, it's emotional and spiritual healing and ultimately moving on in an intentional way to a new relationship, which we deliberately construct to be better than what we had before. And, and I think that may be, as Kathy just sort of talked about saying that it didn't happen in the first year, although she went on lots of dates. A lot. Those are small, bite-sized pieces um, that helped her to explore what was out there, what was available, and get an idea of what she really wanted. You know, I had a great time dating that year, even though it didn't come to the conclusion I had hoped. Um, but I got this distinct impression I should join none of the men that I was dating at the time, meaning not pursue any serious relationships or uh, become exclusive with anyone towards marriage. And I didn't know why, but I remember thinking this must be how Joseph Smith felt when he was looking for the church and he was so desperately wanted a religion and he was told to join no churches. Right. And, you know, there may have been in that answer that you received an element of you need more preparation before. I'd learned that along the way that I wasn't as ready as I thought. Um, But I I definitely think that we can heal as we date and as we develop relationships. And even if you end up in a second marriage and that, you know, was more of a a rebound from the first, that can be a, a growing experience and it can either you know, be something that grows into a better marriage or, you know, one that doesn't end up working out like mine. But um, I think what I learned from all of that was obviously patience and endurance. Um, Cause some, sometimes I had to take a break from dating cause it was exhausting sometimes, but uh, also for like, I developed an appreciation for I found an appreciation for the process of dating and getting to know people and really honoring it for what it was as a process 
And also uh, it was comforting for me to think about and ponder and realize that maybe God was saving me for something really wonderful, something really amazing that wasn't, you know, yet in my life. And um, I'm, I think I'm still seeing that unfold, but obviously it's you and love in later years. And glad it was me. <laughs> I'm glad it was <laughs> you too. Um, but, you know, I think as our lives continue to unfold, I think that we'll continue learning what, you know, he was saving us for in this marriage. And, uh, you know, think of what would have happened if Joseph would have just said, well, you know what, I'm sorry, but I can't be patient. I don't want to wait. I'm a little wait. partial to the Methodist, so I guess <laughs> I'll just go there. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I just, I just remember thinking, wow, you know, like, this is profound to 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 not join any of them right now because something else is being is is going to be be there for me right i mean I, I think there are a couple of components to this and i i want to kind of circle back to the question all right if we're supposed to trust the process what is the process of personal restoration and I think, first of all, one thing that Kathy kind of touched on there, although in different words, is what Elder Christofferson talked about, um, that really we need to focus on our daily bread, on being happy today the way things are without, you know, needing it to be different to, uh, to feel happy, that, that we can be happy today with our circumstances, even as imperfect as they may feel, uh, recognizing God would not do anything to you that is not an act of love. And as I, as I think about it, you know, when I, I related some of my own history in this podcast, but if I look back, was it God's doing or his will that I got laid off from my corporate job in Texas? Yeah, I think it probably was. And you know what? Now I have a great job where I get to be a constitutional lawyer all day long, which is something I always dreamed of, and uh, deal with the really important cases in our state. And so that grew out of the disappointment and the pain of getting laid off. Um, the fact that I'm with Kathy that grew out of both of my divorces because if I was still with either of those wives, I wouldn't have Kathy. I wouldn't have her kids as my stepkids. So when we talk about trust the process, I think what we're saying is God knows the end from the beginning. God knows what he has planned for you and what he has in mind for you. And it's something wonderful you may even get a glimpse of it from time to time. Like Kathy knew there was something better for her than to just take the love that came along, that, that there was something specific and she needed to go through a process um, in, order to, uh, in order to seize that. And so I think part of it is recognizing, you know, what I said earlier about we grossly underestimate what we can do in five years. 
imagine if wherever you are, you're in a tough spot of some sort. Uh, my life's going to be a lot better in five years. Not, not because it just will, but because I'm going to take a step toward that every day. And sometimes you're going to feel like you backslid. Like if you are dating someone and feel a lot of hope in that, and that person breaks up with you, you're probably going to feel some disappointment, understandably, and, and that's okay. Um, but the key is uh, have your vision, have your goals, uh, know where you want to go, and then allow God to take you in hand and, you know, take you in a different direction if, if he so chooses. Because his direction will always be better than ours. And, and so that's the process I'm talking about, is walking hand in hand with God, trying to do a little better every day, trying to take a baby step toward personal restoration each and every day, and recognize that it is not an event, it's a process. And that... If we're intentional about taking those steps, little steps are going to add up to a long journey and, and great achievements. Uh, do you have any more on, on uh, trusting the process, Kathy? You know, when my, when my youngest was taking violin at age four, mm -hmm. even though I'd taught violin for years, I really had to remind myself to trust the process of learning yeah. violin for little kids because it was, it took so much patience. And I, I really developed a, a bigger state of empathy than I'd ever had before for Suzuki parents, <laughs> because it requires a lot of work on the parents' part to keep feeding that information over and over until it sticks. And uh, we talked a little bit on our last episode about patience and how uh, in Japan, Dr. Suzuki saw patience as that, as putting in those in, that information just to keep doing it, that daily infusion of light, to keep doing that, whatever it is that we do, and eventually something sticks. Eventually, something comes from it. Like, you know, small hinges move big doors. Right. Uh, those those small daily acts eventually add up to something wonderful. And now this kid is 11 and playing concertos and it's really exciting. But I, man, I mean, it took him forever. It felt like forever to learn the twinkles. Right. And I mean, that's kind of like, and I mean, Kathy's a professional violin teacher who knows the process better than most. And yet she had to remind herself to trust it. Because while you're executing it, while you're going through the, those steps, it can feel like nothing is happening, that no progress is being made. And, you know, it's just like I, I talked about in, early in this broadcast, that when we plant seeds and we water and nurture them, we don't see them come up for a while, a few weeks or whatever, and you might you know, get impatient and think, when are they going to come up? Are they ever going to come up? You know, you can stand over them yelling at them to grow faster, which isn't going to do anything. But then when they come up, they're a tender little fragile green leaf 
and they haven't grown up into a full tomato plant or whatever it is you're you're growing uh and and looking strong like it can bear fruit you know what i just uh, thought of what's that i was so busy last summer i didn't even look at our tomato plants until they were really big and out overgrown <laughs> <laughs> so actually one strategy to to be to have patience be easier right would be to be busy doing other good things Right. And just allow that process to happen without too much fuss, right. too much attention. Yeah, because you don't want to get impatient with it. And then, you know, I mean, it's ridiculous. We would never do this because we know enough about growing plants. But, you know, imagine, oh, nothing's happening. This isn't working. I'm going to dig up my seeds and see if anything's happening. Of course, you ruin it that way. And... uh Sometimes we can ruin things by getting too dramatic or overzealous. Right. Trying to even force something with a partner that, you know, force it more to a more serious relationship when the situation doesn't really support that yet. And, you know, there's lots of ways we can, we can mess up um, something that way. But yeah, the, the important thing is to remember that, uh, it isn't one grand vision normally. The restoration even wasn't just the first vision. It was small incremental steps and it continues today. It's a process, not a, an event. And your personal restoration is too. And so you may go through times of feeling like you're not getting anywhere, like you're stuck in the mud, like you're sliding backward like things are coming at you and you feel overwhelmed, believe me, friends, I get that. And trusting the process means keep putting one foot in front of the other, keep having faith in God, praying for his help and his guidance, and understanding that the sun will come out again, that this, that, that the process will lead somewhere good. And probably won't take as long as you think, even though for me, it took several years. And, you know, it's an on my restoration is an ongoing thing, too. I'm still learning, I'm still growing, I'm still making mistakes and getting things right, too. So if you're in a place where you feel discouraged, overwhelmed, broken, you know, pick any adjective you want, but in the darkest abyss. I want to offer you one of my favorite scriptures, Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and shall walk and not faint. Waiting upon the Lord means trusting in him and being patient with the process. If you do that, you're going to mount up with wings as eagles. You're going to renew your strength. The, the weak and overwhelmed feeling that you have felt will not be permanent. And trust in that promise. Hold on to it with your fingernails if you have to. But I think that'll do the trick that'll help you. So remember, friends, 
any time is a great time for more love in your life. Thank you for listening to LilyPod. We'll catch you next time. Subscribe to LilyPod to get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, share with those you love. For more information about our organization and services, visit loveinlateryears.com.